0: A quality night's sleep helps you prevent burnout, make better
1: decisions, and improve your memory. And if you want a quality night's sleep, you need a Lisa mattress. Lisa spent hundreds of hours testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping types. Don't miss these summer savings.
0: Get $160 off a Lisa mattress at lisa.com slash women. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash
1: women. Halo Top is ice cream's biggest game changer. Halo Top has less than 360 calories per pint, but it's still delicious and creamy like ice cream should be, so you can eat it without all the guilt. They
0: have over 20 incredible flavors to choose from, like mint chip, strawberry,
1: even birthday cake. Halo Top is available nationwide. Find your pint at halotop.com. Follow them on social media at halotopcreamery, halotop.com. You've been in the mall for hours and still aren't done Christmas shopping. Stress builds in your lower back as you speed walk. Suddenly, a sugary scent hits your nostrils and you absently veer in that direction. As you walk, the smell refines. It's warm chocolate. Mmm, Mrs. Fields fresh baked cookies are calling. The cookies are easy to see in the mall walkway. No need to enter the store. A chipper 20-something greets you, smiling wide, and happy to sell you the cookies she baked herself. She asks you how the shopping's going. Taken in by her open attitude, you vent for a moment about your week. She commiserates and gives you a free sample. It's delicious. You absolutely have to buy some of these to take home. Now comes the hard choice. Milk chocolate chips or semi-sweet? Why not both? The sales clerk grins, pointing out that if you buy three cookies, you'll get a fourth for free. She recommends the Deborah's Special, a cinnamon oatmeal raisin walnut cookie, named for the founder herself. The clerk makes you feel happy, taken care of, noticed. You bite into the warm cookie. Happiness with a three-inch diameter. There's more chocolate than flour, and the real butter keeps it soft and chewy. As the chocolate melts in your
0: mouth, the stress melts away. You haven't just bought cookies,
1: you bought the Mrs. Fields customer experience.
0: Welcome to Great Women of Business. I'm Vanessa Richardson. And I'm Molly
1: Brandenburg. In this podcast, we don't just tell you about women who changed the face of business. We tell you how they changed the face of business.
0: We'll spotlight business principles that you can use yourself and dive into the complex lives and unique challenges faced by female visionaries,
1: icons, and leaders. New episodes of our 12-episode series will come out on Tuesdays, and you can find us on your favorite podcast directory. While you're there, we'd truly appreciate a five-star review. You can also find us on Facebook and
0: Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network.
1: Now let's look at the story of Debbie Fields Rose, the woman who baked America's favorite mall cookie. In
0: 1977, Debbie opened her first cookie store in Palo Alto, California, when she was just 20 years old. She had no business experience, no college degree, and a loan with 21%
1: interest. Within 10 years, Mrs. Fields became a $450 million business, a household name, and a signifier of sweet, chewy quality. But Debbie never intended to
0: be a household name. The only thing she cared about was the joy in your heart when you bite into one of her famous chocolate chip cookies. Debbie built her business around providing the utmost customer experience and
1: making everyone feel important. She often gave cookies away, telling customers they were the most important investment she could make. She based her
0: business not on selling cookies, but selling happiness. Debbie's commitment to happiness started early on. From her birth on September 18, 1956, Debbie's father, a Navy welder, and her mother, a stay at home mom to five daughters, taught
1: her that money wasn't everything. Growing up in Oakland, California, little Deborah Jane Sivier watched her father decline promotions that would take him away from his family. As the youngest of five, Debbie recalls she was considered
0: the dumb one and had an aching desire to feel special. She desperately wanted her parents to praise her and tell her they loved her more than her sisters. But like most parents, they insisted they loved all their children equally. Debbie's mother was a terrible cook. The family was always well-fed, But a typical day might consist of scrambled eggs with hot dogs for breakfast, PB&J for lunch, and spaghetti and sauce,
1: no meatballs, for dinner. As a result, there was only one food Debbie liked, chocolate chip cookies. But surprisingly, cookies weren't what brought Debbie into the business world. The Siviers had good friends who
0: invited them up to Lake Berryessa for vacation every summer. There, Debbie learned to water ski. She put on her first pair of skis at age 5 and quickly began trying tricks and going much too fast. She had four older sisters to keep up with after all, and she wanted to be better than them if she could. It turned out Debbie was a bit of an adrenaline junkie, and she soon got into snow skiing as well. When she was 13, Debbie decided she wanted her own skis. It was 1969 and all the girls at school had them. Her parents said, sure, she could have her skis,
1: as long as she worked for them. Debbie's parents instilled the idea that she could have anything she wanted if she worked, and this became a driving factor throughout her life. Debbie got a job as a ball girl for the Oakland A's.
0: There, she realized how much she enjoyed working. Unlike many teenagers,
1: Debbie loved having a job. She also loved having an income, which supported her two loves skiing and cookies. At 13,
0: Debbie got into baking chocolate chip cookies. Only chocolate chip cookies. She didn't try her hand at baking anything else, partly because each girl
1: in the Sevier house had declared herself a baking specialty. Following her sister's lead, Debbie enjoyed baking the Toll House chocolate chip cookie recipe until she realized she could make it better. Debbie began experimenting, playing around with proportions and bake times, and testing the results on her friends and family who were more than happy to help. Most importantly, she used her ball girl wages to buy real ingredients. To be clear, Debbie Fields didn't start out baking make-believe cookies, but she was using margarine, fake chocolate, and imitation vanilla. With a family of seven on a welder's salary, they had to eat cheap. When Debbie baked her first batch of cookies with her real butter,
0: vanilla, and chocolate, everyone noticed. And they loved it. That's when Debbie realized something that would define her business. Quality is everything. Here's what she later said about it. When you
1: make them with the best ingredients, you don't have to eat a whole wedge. You can eat just a small amount. You know why? Because it's so incredibly satisfying. Another company that focuses on the best products and ingredients is Kirkland Signature, also known as the Costco brand. Now, Costco is known for selling all of your favorite products in mass quantities. That's their business. They could very easily run their whole business selling 80 packs of Charmin and 10-pound boxes of Kraft mac and cheese and offer generic, lower-quality products as an option. But instead, Costco's Kirkland Signature brand strives for incredibly high quality. Their store brand vodka is distilled in the same factory as Top Shelf Vodka Grey Goose. And their maple syrup is pure and organic, all drawn from trees. No one's expecting top-shelf liquor from a wholesale store brand, but Costco decided to produce it anyway. You'd think these
0: products would be expensive, but they aren't. In fact, they're incredible deals. But because these products are so high quality and sold at a reasonable price, people return to Costco again and again to buy them. This, in turn, drives up customer loyalty, which Costco sees in renewed membership sales. Quality is something people notice, and it certainly was noticed by Debbie's family and friends when she was in high school in the early 1970s. At this time, Debbie refined her high-quality cookies, but also worked alongside mall Santas as an elf during the holiday season and a water skiing performer at Marine World. Her big smile and eager-to-please attitude got her far in the workplace, and Debbie found it much more fulfilling than her schoolwork. She realized, quote, "In the business world, it doesn't matter who you are. If you want to be recognized and want to move up, just do what they ask and do it better."
1: End quote. Debbie realized this as a teenager and was ahead of her time. In recent interviews with Fortune.com, both Warren Buffett, CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, and Jeffrey Katzenberg, co-founder of DreamWorks, gave similar advice to young people joining the workforce, saying one should put forth one's best effort and do better than what's expected.
0: After she graduated high school, 18-year-old Debbie wasn't planning on going to college, and she felt aimless unsure what she wanted to do with her life
1: besides ski. One day at the Denver airport, Debbie decided to call one of her friends from a payphone to pass the time until her flight. As she waited for her friend to pick up, a man approached her. When Debbie's friend didn't answer, the man said, Hi, I'm neither a murderer nor a rapist, and I'd love to talk to you. This man was Mr. Fields.
0: After Randy Fields showed Debbie copies of articles written about him in Time and Newsweek to prove that he really was a decent guy and a notable economic futurist to boot, she agreed to give him her number. And
1: yes, this man had laminated copies of his press clippings in his carry-on bag. In his defense, Randy had started investing at age
0: 12, spun that into a successful investment company by age 21, and now, at 28, he spent his time consulting Fortune 100 companies. He wasn't like anyone Debbie knew, but they got along perfectly.
1: Conveniently, Randy had offices near Oakland, so it was easy to strike up a relationship. The two dated through 1976, until
0: Debbie gave him an ultimatum. She wanted to get married. If he wasn't interested he should leave he left debbie remained firm and as soon as randy realized debbie was serious he asked her to marry him they married in
1: 1976 in randy's parents living room as a newlywed homemaker in northern california debbie made it her mission to please her husband He, like everyone she knew, thought she made the best cookies he'd ever had, so she baked them all the time. Eating cookies every day is not a good idea, so Randy, being a loving husband, tried to put the brakes on it. When he got home from work at night, he'd ask Debbie how many cookies she'd eaten that day.
0: Debbie knew he hated hearing she'd had three or four, but she hated lying to him. So she started making her cookies bigger. Now she wouldn't be lying to Randy when she said she had just one. That's a pretty savvy compromise. It was. At this point, Debbie had crystallized her special recipe. She used more chocolate than flour,
1: lots of butter, and didn't bake them for too long. The cookies may have been perfect, but Debbie was still feeling lost. The self-proclaimed mediocre student and ski bunny didn't fit in with Randy's social circle of well-educated, successful people. They may have been well-educated and successful, but they weren't kind. These people immediately wrote Debbie off as a dumb blonde housewife, and often left the conversation once they realized she was only a homemaker. Debbie hated that. She worried she was an embarrassment to her beloved husband and offered help in the best way she knew how. So, Debbie offered to bake her cookies for Randy's clients.
0: It was one thing she did well and could help him. Here, Debbie identified her need to make a positive impact in Randy's social circle and solved it with her passion for baking cookies. She was thinking like a
1: businesswoman. For comparison, the co-founders of ride-sharing service Uber, Travis Kalanick and Garrett Camp, were successful entrepreneurs before they started Uber. Kalanick had started and sold a peer-to-peer file-sharing company called Red Swoosh, and Camp had founded the popular internet site StumbleUpon. But one night in Paris, these businessmen were faced with a problem. They couldn't get a cab. They shared a passion for apps and technology and wondered if that passion could solve their problem. That night, from that problem, Uber was born. Mrs. Fields was conceived more slowly,
0: but the business has its roots in Debbie wanting to help her husband.
1: Nearly seven years of baking experience paid off when Randy could bring homemade cookies to his meetings or serve them fresh out of the oven to clients the Fields entertained at home. The cookies were so beloved that Randy's colleagues began calling before meetings to see if, by any chance, Debbie happened to be baking cookies.
0: Though 19-year-old Debbie was thinking with business savvy, she didn't see the business potential in her cookies until one embarrassing evening.
1: Debbie accompanied Randy to visit a friend of his, Sandy Lewis, a successful arbitrager who managed corporate business mergers. Lewis was a huge figure in Randy's field, and Debbie knew she had to make a good impression. She was extremely nervous heading into the Lewis's mansion and ended up hiding in the ornate library. In the library, Lewis cornered Debbie,
0: not making conversations so much as firing questions at her. Lewis wanted to know what she was made of, what she wanted out of life. Debbie stammered, losing her cool under pressure. He repeated the question, what was she doing with her life? Flustered, Debbie spat out
1: that she was, quote, just trying to get orientated, end quote. Lewis grabbed a dictionary from his bookshelf and threw it at Debbie. He informed her the word was oriented and she should learn the English language. Debbie cried the whole way home. We've all been there. Randy did his best to comfort her but Debbie found the best comfort in herself. She couldn't just be Randy's wife or chase other people's definition of success. Debbie Fields had to succeed for herself. Let's take a moment to
0: share something we love at Parcast. Whether we're researching great women of business, literature, or travel, we always head to The Great Courses Plus. Not
1: only do you get unlimited access to stream lectures from their award-winning experts, you can stream from their fantastic app. As fans of great women of business, we
0: really think you'll enjoy their course, The Creative Thinker's Toolkit, which gives
1: you tools to help you on your own path to success. I loved this course. My favorite lecture was on creative problem solving. Through four stages, you can turn problems into practical solutions that you can implement right away. It's a great thing to know, regardless of your profession. The Creative Thinker's Toolkit is a great course to
0: get started with, and now listeners can get a special limited-time offer. Get a full month of unlimited access to The Great Courses Plus for free at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash women. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash women to get this free month offer. thegreatcoursesplus.com slash women. And here's something else we think you should know about. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. It's not like you have time to be an expert on things like
1: taxes and regulations. And with the way technology has changed, old-school payroll companies can't always meet your needs. But Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses.
0: You don't have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits and great service for your team. If you have a small business, Gusto can make your payroll easy. In
1: fact, PC Magazine and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses and 9 out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. Focus on your business, not payroll and paperwork. And to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today, and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to Gusto.com slash women. That's Gusto.com slash women. Now, let's get back to the story. Debbie Fields later told the story like this. Quote, I have this dream. Actually, what I have is a recipe, and I think I can go into the cookie business. So I went home to my family, I presented my idea, and they were so enthusiastic, they said, now Debbie, that is absolutely a stupid idea. End quote. In 1977, there were very few
0: specialty food stores. So when Debbie started telling people she'd like to open a store to sell her cookies, they told her not to. It was a crazy idea, they said, while reaching for another cookie. She was a 19-year-old with
1: no business experience. How could she possibly
0: run a store? Even Randy was skeptical. He showed her market research reports on cookies. According to studies, people liked crispy, crunchy cookies, and Debbie's were soft and chewy. Plus, they were comparatively huge, so they'd have to sell for almost three times as
1: much as a typical cookie. A store which only sold fresh-baked cookies was a bad business idea. But Debbie persisted. She later
0: stated, Persistence is one of the keys to success in business. Quote, Success is being stubborn, obsessed, refusing to
1: accept the world's opinion about herself. End quote. She made plans for her store and visited every banker in the area to talk about a loan. She'd bring cookies as a proof of concept, and while the cookies were always eaten, the loan application was always rejected.
0: One of the most famous stories of persistence and rejection leading to success is that of a single mother in her late 20s, living on welfare and struggling with depression, She had an idea
1: for a multi-billion dollar business plan. It all started with a book. But when she sent her manuscript to publisher, she was rejected. She tried again, rejected. Worried she was facing sexism, she even tried going by a male pseudonym, Robert Galbraith. But the manuscript was still turned down. After 12 rejections, Bloomsbury
0: finally said yes to the book. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone.
1: One of the most successful authors in history, J.K. Rowling, would never have succeeded had it not been for her intense persistence. The same
0: was true for Debbie Fields. Eventually, in June 1977, Debbie found a banker who believed in her and Randy. Not in their pitch for a cookie store, but in them as people who were responsible enough to pay back a loan. Debbie said it helped that he was older, as people nearing retirement are more likely to support someone's dreams instead of worrying about
1: the bank. Ed Sullivan at Bank of America set Debbie and Randy up with a $25,000 loan and a 21% interest rate. Debbie was ecstatic.
0: She spent the next two months preparing. She perfected her recipes purchased used commercial baking ovens and established a relationship with a chocolate supplier which had excellent customer
1: service, just the way she liked things. Randy helped with the name, suggesting she call it Mrs. Fields' Chocolate Chippery, instead of Debbie's original plan of the chocolate chippery. And he coined the slogan, quote, Some people take flour and add chocolate chips. We take chocolate chips and add flour which was true to Debbie's recipe.
0: On August 17, 1977, the night before Mrs. Fields' chocolate chippery was set to open, Debbie panicked. She couldn't sleep. She broke down crying. She realized just how much money she owed the bank. She worried that everyone was right. This was a terrible business, and she would fail
1: miserably. To calm her down, Randy jokingly bet that she wouldn't sell $50 worth of cookies on her first day. Hearing this, Debbie washed her face and went to the store. It was 6 a.m., and she had cookies to bake. And they had to be perfect. At 9 a.m. on
0: August 18, 1977, Mrs. Field's Chocolate Chippery opened in Liddy Market in Palo Alto. For sale, Debbie offered milk and semi-sweet chocolate chip cookies with and without walnuts, oatmeal raisin cookies, brownies, and carob chip cookies. She set them out in the store and waited. People walked by all morning, even asking how much the cookies were. But
1: no one bought any. By noon, Debbie hadn't made a single sale. Something had to change.
0: With no sales by noon on her first day, 20-year-old Debbie Fields was willing to try anything. She later said that this willingness made all the difference. She had to look at her current failure as a catalyst for creative problem-solving. This is another
1: business principle she'd used throughout her career. So Debbie called a friend and asked her to man the cash register for a little while. Then, she took some of her warm, soft cookies out on a plastic tray and walked around the mall offering samples. No one wanted any. So, Debbie left Lydicote's Market and walked around the streets of Palo Alto offering cookies and telling people about her new business. Like Randy's colleagues and the bankers who rejected her, everyone who tried the cookies complimented them. But compliments don't pay bills. Debbie was banking on turning the samples into sales.
0: When she was out of samples, Debbie returned to her store, dismissed her friend, and baked one more batch of chocolate chip cookies. Within an hour, some of the people she'd given free samples to came by the store,
1: excited to buy cookies. It had worked. From then on out, free samples became a cornerstone of Mrs. Fields' marketing. Once people tried the cookies, they knew they were worth the price, which in 1977 was 25 cents. Debbie pinpointed the success of this strategy
0: on humanizing the customer and making them feel special. She'd have a nice chat with the prospective customer, and then they got to be the judge of the cookie. It showed people she was betting her business success on them. They were the important ones, and she wanted to please them. The free cookies were an early investment, a show of faith in the people of
1: Palo Alto. At the end of the first day, Debbie checked her register. She'd made exactly $50. That would show Randy. He
0: congratulated her and promptly bet her she couldn't make $75 the next
1: day. Debbie's eager-to-please, competitive spirit was ignited. The next day, she made that $75 in sales, and by the end of her first year, she'd made a quarter million dollars in sales.
0: Debbie attributes her first year's success to sales goals. She realized that reviewing profit and loss sheets ten days after the end of the month wasn't doing anything for her growing business. She sat down and did the math to figure out how many cookies she had to sell every week to make money. And then how many per day? And then how many cookies per hour? As long as she surpassed her hourly goal, she knew she'd continue to profit. And if for any reason the store didn't meet that goal, Debbie could instantly course correct to prevent further losses. The success wasn't entirely due to the cookies and management. It was about the experience she sold with them. In addition to the genuine conversations and free samples Debbie offered, she stood by a guarantee. Mrs. Fields' cookies were guaranteed to be fresh from the oven, even the free samples. Any cookie that didn't sell within two hours was donated to the Red
1: Cross to feed people who gave blood. On top of that, every Mrs. Fields cookie had to pass a test that was later dubbed Mr. Thumb, Mr. Thumb designates that before a cookie is given to a customer, a gloved thumbprint is made in the bottom to check that the cookie is soft and not overbaked.
0: And personal connections were made with everyone, not just people getting samples.
1: Debbie had never lost her childhood desire to feel special and gravitated to experiences where she was treated well. And she wasn't the only
0: one. Many businesses in the 1970s had lost the personal element. Debbie herself would drive to the farther away, more expensive grocery store because the helpful employees would give her tips for cooking their products and get to know her on a first-name basis. When she picked her first employee in 1978, Debbie hired her because she liked the way this woman chatted with her when she rang her up at Payless Drugstore. The woman's casual friendliness made Debbie feel good, so she offered her a job at Mrs. Fields.
1: Debbie and her team were so successful at forging connections with their customers that soon regular customers would call if something came up and they couldn't drop in to buy cookies that day.
0: Mrs. Fields wasn't the only company predicated on making people feel special. Visitors to Disneyland, Walt Disney World, or any of their parks note a level of customer service that goes beyond typical transactions. Disney employees are trained to turn basic interactions into conversations and relationships. For example, if a cast member rings up a Little Mermaid hat, they might ask the guest if they've been on the Ariel's adventure ride yet, or let them know that the mermaid will be signing autographs in Fantasyland that afternoon. Then the cast member might talk about how Ariel is their favorite princess, too, and bring up a favorite moment
1: from the movie. This turns a simple transaction into a relationship. Instead of just handing over change, they make the guest feel noticed and special, like they have a new friend. Disney makes a point of hiring cast members who are outgoing and passionate about the company, so it's easy for them to create natural, personalized interactions with every guest. You'll notice we use the terms
0: cast member and guest instead of employee and customer. That's another way Disney humanizes the experience for everyone. No one is just their job. If a child drops their iconic Mickey Mouse ice cream bar, a helpful cast member will fetch a complimentary replacement, while another cleans it up, even if they weren't hired to be an ice cream vendor or janitor.
1: This is something Mrs. Fields implemented as well. Everyone in her store took turns baking the cookies, manning the register, and giving out samples. They had the freedom to try new roles and learn something. And this didn't apply to just one store. Later on, when Mrs. Fields was a massive international corporation, she'd let her accountants bake cookies and her software engineers brainstorm marketing pitches. Everyone was on the same team.
0: Debbie helped her employees feel like working at Mrs. Fields was more than a job. It was an important mission. Every member of her team was rewarded when the store did well. And it did really well. So well that the
1: opportunity for growth walked right in their door. One of Debbie's regular customers was Warren Simmons, a former pilot who founded the Pier 39 shopping mall in San Francisco. Warren loved Mrs. Fields and wanted to put one in Pier 39. Pier 39 isn't
0: just any shopping center. It's a dazzling boardwalk and tourist attraction with views of the ocean, Alcatraz, and the Golden Gate Bridge. Simmons had plans to hire street performers and attract shoppers from all over the world. However, Debbie said no. She was happy. Her cookies were selling, her customers were loyal, and she was well on her way to a quarter million in sales in her first year. She had everything she wanted, and like her parents taught her, she didn't need to
1: chase money. Through 1978, Debbie continued running her single chocolate chippery, and as the business grew over its first year. Debbie brought on more employees. She made a point of hiring kind people who wanted to have fun at work and made competitions out of meeting the hourly sales goals, something she calculated down to the cookie.
0: The employees at the first store became like Debbie's second family. She had only one rule for them, make the best
1: cookies possible. This rule got its first test in 1978, about six months into Mrs. Field's operation. The California raisin crop failed that year due to too much rain. The simple solution was to replace the raisins in oatmeal raisin cookies with dates. That's what all the other bakeries were doing. But Debbie didn't like dates. And she especially didn't like them
0: in a cookie called the Deborah's Special, which was her spin on the oatmeal raisin cookie.
1: She knew that dates simply weren't as good as raisins, but the cost of importing raisins in 1978 was astronomical. She went
0: with her only option, buying the raisins anyway. It meant she had to raise the price of the Deborah's special cookies, but the quality would be maintained. Debbie refused to let her customers' expectations down.
1: And, surprisingly, after the price raise, people still bought the cookies because they were that good. Her customers recognized quality and were willing to pay extra for it.
0: Many of you have probably agreed to a similar business model, Netflix. Like Debbie Fields, they'll pay a high price for quality. In 2017, they set up a four-year deal with beloved writer-producer Shonda Rhimes, creator of hits like Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. It's estimated they're paying her $100 million for the four-year contract, well above what most writer-producers earn. But people love Shonda, and Netflix knew she was worth it. The deal was announced in August 2017, and in October 2017, Netflix announced a price hike for subscribers.
1: However, Netflix's stock gained 50% in the first quarter of 2018, which allowed it to surpass Disney as the most profitable entertainment company. Their subscriber base has only continued to grow, with a reported 125 million total subscribers and, according to information they gave to their shareholders, a growth of 7.4 million new subscribers in the first quarter of 2018. Netflix was able to raise prices without losing customers because at the same time they increased the quality of their content. People are willing to pay a little more for Netflix if it means they can watch Shonda Rhimes' next project, as well as other well-produced shows that don't cut corners, like Orange is the New Black or The Crown.
0: Not cutting corners herself, Mrs. Fields grew increasingly popular, and the next year, Pier 39 called again. They'd love to have a Mrs. Fields in their mall.
1: Would she reconsider? Debbie still wasn't wild about the idea, but this time, in 1979, she had employees who she cared about. And several of them were eager for the increased responsibilities and salaries that would come with opening a second store. Debbie wanted to help her employees, so this time, she said yes. Shortly after Mrs. Fields opened their second store, the lines for a hot cookie stretched around the building.
0: It was clear 21-year-old Debbie had a hit on her hands. There was a demand for more stores, and she was only in her second year of business. They quickly opened a new location in the Prune Yard Shopping Center in Campbell, California. But now Debbie had to figure out how to manage growing demand.
1: From the start, Debbie refused to franchise. She hated delegating authority and worried that anyone who was in the business to make money would sacrifice quality and, worse, disappoint a customer. One day,
0: when visiting the new Campbell location, Debbie was upset to see some very unhappy cookies on display. They were thinner and browner than a Mrs. Fields cookie. By looking, she could tell they might even be
1: crunchy. Though she was horrified, she responded not with anger, but with curiosity. Maybe the baker hadn't been properly trained. She asked him what he thought. He replied, they were good enough. Debbie responded by throwing $600 worth of cookies in the trash. She quipped, quote, good enough never is. Thus, the company motto was born. It's unclear if that baker was fired or retrained, but he did learn one of Mrs. Field's key business principles that day. A Mrs. Field's experience had to be the absolute best. Now it's time for another break. If you're looking for an opportunity to help combat climate change and make money at the same time, you should check out Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital is an award-winning investment
0: platform that allows individuals to invest in large-scale solar energy projects
1: across the United States. Since 2015, people like you have invested tens of millions of dollars using Wonder Capital's solar investment platform, helping to fund over 200 large-scale solar energy projects across the U.S., each year, these solar energy projects create
0: enough electricity to offset more than 75 million pounds of carbon dioxide
1: emissions. If you're interested in combating global climate change while earning up to 7.5% annually, go to wondercapital.com/women. That's w u n d e r c a p i t a l.com/women. Wonder Capital, where impact investing meets capitalism. Now,
0: let's get back to the story.
1: It was one
0: thing when Debbie could routinely check up on her stores and make sure every cookie was more than good enough. However, she couldn't feasibly work in three or 300 stores at once. Or could she? That became the next challenge for Mrs. Fields. At this point... Debbie recalled the lesson she learned as a teenager. Quality ingredients make all the difference. Even if she shared her recipe proportions with her employees, no one would be able to perfectly replicate any of Mrs. Field's cookies without the specific blends of vanilla, chocolate, or butter. From then on, she kept all of her ingredient suppliers a trade secret.
1: As for employees she could trust, Debbie had a specific outlook. She believed she could train someone to run a cash register, but she couldn't train them to be genuine and kind. Part of the interview process for work at Mrs. Fields involved singing Happy Birthday at the top of one's lungs in a crowded store. It always amused the customers and proved that the candidate would go the extra mile to put a smile on someone's face.
0: But Debbie still had to figure out how to replicate her management style. Luckily, Randy was around to help. He'd taken an interest in computer software in the early 80s computer boom. And in 1980, he realized he could replicate his wife's daily analysis and projections of cookie
1: sales in a computer program. This way, they really could have Debbie in every store. Randy designed an administrative computer system that could learn from and analyze data surrounding cookie sales and provide daily and even hourly sales goals based on everything from how many cookies were sold on this day last year to what holidays were coming up to even if it was raining outside. As a manager put in sales data throughout the day, the system would suggest how many more cookies to bake, whether to give out more free samples, or if they should spend more time bantering with customers. Of course, all of this data
0: went straight back to Debbie so she could oversee and analyze everything, making tweaks to the sales plans as needed. The computer system was vital as Mrs. Fields expanded across the U.S. By the spring of 1981, there were 14 Mrs. Fields stores across the U.S.
1: In 1982, after only five years in business, they began to go international. Mrs. Fields expanded into Hong Kong, Tokyo, Singapore, and Sydney. It paid off. They reported sales of approximately $30 million that year.
0: It's impressive for any company, let alone one run by a
1: 25-year-old. Debbie was a go-getter with no intention of slowing down. Mrs. Fields also opened up a store and headquarters in Park City that year, This decision had a personal motivation. Debbie and Randy had just started their family, with Jessica, born in 1979, and Janessa, born in 1981. They determined they wanted to raise their daughters where there was plenty of open space and opportunities for skiing. So they moved to Park City. From Park City, Debbie committed to responding to all communications from her store managers within 48 hours, often by voicemail. Mrs. Fields' workers from Hawaii to New York City received personal updates and encouragement in Debbie's perky voice. Debbie still refused to franchise her business and kept tight control. She made a point of calling store managers who did exceptionally well to congratulate them and calling those who did poorly to figure out how she could better train them. When something went wrong, Debbie saw it as an opportunity to learn from failure failure was just an opportunity to try something else. You might have heard that Oprah was famously fired from one of her first jobs, but did you know it was because she was too emotionally invested in her stories? It turned out that Oprah wasn't cut out for TV news, but her ability to invest emotionally in others led to the most successful talk show of all time. Oprah recently spoke about failure
0: at Harvard's commencement.
1: In the very moment When I had
0: stopped succeeding. Her Oprah Winfrey network was struggling. So
1: I'm here today to tell you, I have turned that network around.
0: Winfrey says failure is not permanent and it will help you find your true calling. When
1: you inevitably stumble and find yourself stuck in a hole, that is the story that will get you out. Oprah Winfrey told the graduates, what you learn, teach, and what you get, give. It's amazing that Oprah failed again, with OWN tanking in ratings during its first year, after she was a proven success. But once again, she used it as a catalyst for change in her business empire. Oprah took a more hands-on approach in OWN's second year and signed a key deal with Tyler Perry to produce original series, which brought the network to success. Speaking of business empires, Debbie Fields spent much of the early 80s jetting all over the country, personally visiting her stores, and getting involved with testing, selling, and baking cookies.
0: This resulted in $150 million in sales across 160 stores in 1983. Over the next
1: five years, Mrs. Fields grew tremendously. She felt like this was her chance, and she had to bite while the cookie was hot. Her family didn't slow down either.
0: Debbie gave birth to another daughter, Jennifer, in 1984.
1: Not long after, Debbie began looking at options for taking the company public. Considering various markets, the Mrs. Fields team determined that the best option for the employees was to debut on the London exchange rather than an American stock exchange. Then, after a year on the London market, they would make stocks available stateside. As usual, Debbie was putting her people first. So, in 1986, Mrs. Fields went
0: public. Their IPO debuted on the London Unlisted Securities Market, with 30 million shares listed. However, only 16% of the stock sold. The stock value quickly plummeted from $2.46 per share to just $0.44 per share it was a major failure.
1: Debbie later wrote that the failure happened because Mrs. Fields didn't have strong brand recognition in England, so investors didn't recognize the stock and know its value. But she didn't let this failure stop her. Debbie kept working, saying that at this point, she'd gone from spending her days up to her elbows in flour to spending her days up to her elbows in spreadsheets. By
0: 1987, the company had over 500 stores, and a business valued
1: at $450 million. That same year, Debbie turned 30. She also began to expand the business outside of cookies. In 1987, Mrs. Fields Original Cookies, Incorporated, as Debbie's company was now known, purchased La Petite Boulangerie, a bakery chain with over 100 locations. Debbie and Randy kept busy outside
0: of the cookie business, too. They were involved in developing Summit County Industrial Park and took ownership of Park City's Main Street Mall, where the Mrs. Fields corporate headquarters were located. In 1987, Debbie published her autobiography, One Smart Cookie, which was an invaluable resource for this podcast.
1: Around 1988, Debbie started up stores named after each of her children. Jenny's Swing Set, which sold casual children's clothes in Park City, Jessica's Cookies, which operated on the East Coast, and Janessa's, a handmade gift shop. The business was now much more than cookies, but the focus on customer experience remained the same. Continuing to expand, Mrs. Fields now owned a macadamia nut processing plant to ensure they had a quality supply for her white chunk macadamia nut cookies. These cookies were a customer favorite, and notably had a lot more macadamia nuts than the competitors did.
0: Massive growth didn't mean Debbie wasn't still heavily involved in every store. Mrs. Fields still strove to keep administration centralized. When they bought La Petite Boulangerie, implementing Randy's computer system allowed the company to reduce the administrative employees from 153 people to just three. This way, Debbie could connect to each employee personally and use her limited time
1: to cultivate relationships. However, rapid expansion did come with pitfalls. First, massive amounts of debt. Each new store required loans to get started, and while this is common in business, it meant that Mrs. Fields wasn't always turning a profit. But remember,
0: profit wasn't what Debbie Fields was after. Her focus in the 80s was providing a consistent, high-quality product that would leave her customers'
1: mouths watering. She still refused to franchise, and as a business principal, was always considering customer feedback. One of the keys to providing a good customer experience is listening to those customers.
0: Around 2011, pizza delivery chain Domino's faced an onslaught of customer service complaints via Twitter and Facebook, among other avenues. In the age of social media, single complaints don't just end with customer service reps. They can be retweeted and read by thousands of customers.
1: So Domino's took social media feedback and turned it into an advantage. Via Facebook, they launched ThinkOven, a new feedback system. There were options for customers to provide comments on various projects, like new uniforms, as well as the opportunity for customers and employees to submit original ideas for change. In the first iteration, the two best ideas were awarded $500 each. This prize proved to customers that Domino's was listening. Think Oven was such a success that they did it again in 2012, rewarding the eight best ideas with $250 each. Notably, one of the Think Oven ideas was
0: for Parmesan bread bites, an item still on the Domino's menu today.
1: Speaking of menu changes, in the 1980s, Mrs. Fields' customers had their own proposed menu change, They wanted peanut butter cookies. Debbie was never
0: a huge fan of peanut butter herself, but she had a mission to make people happy. So she set out to bake incredible
1: peanut butter cookies. The problem was, even when they're made with real peanut butter, peanut butter cookies can easily come out tasting fake. And Debbie Fields wasn't about to sell a product that wasn't real. For years, she workshopped
0: recipes and finally landed on a blend of peanut butter and white chocolate to nail the perfect peanut butter flavor and consistency. She
1: dubbed the dessert peanut butter dreams. The recipe rolled out to Mrs. Field's stores around the world, but the cookies didn't sell very well. So she pulled the cookies and immediately got letters from customers begging her to reinstate peanut butter cookies. Confused, Debbie looked
0: into the situation and realized that while customers loved the cookies, her employees did not. Debbie encouraged a personal connection between her employees and the product and gave her employees the freedom to choose which seven of the 14 cookie recipes to bake and offer in stores every day. This was an upside when her employees were selling cookies they baked, loved, and believed in. But it was a downside when the sales clerks didn't bake, love, or believe in peanut butter cookies.
1: Peanut butter dreams hadn't sold because they hadn't been for sale. Realizing this,
0: Mrs. Fields quickly brought back the cookies and encouraged her employees to give peanut butter a chance. Over time, sales went up. The trick was striking a balance between being an employee-driven company and a
1: customer-driven company. It's clear from stories like this that Debbie Fields was a caring and creative company president. But not everyone was willing to give her credit.
0: We can't talk about women in business without mentioning the elephant in the room. Sexism.
1: She was a beautiful 20-something mother of three. But she was also a corporate president, working 12-hour days and managing hundreds of stores and employees. Some people, unfortunately, only saw the first part. They assumed that Mrs. Fields was just a cute name and that Randy Fields was running the show. This was completely incorrect. Debbie could say it. Randy could say it. Anyone who came into Mrs. Fields' Park City offices could see it. But that didn't stop the sexism. People were going to believe what they wanted to believe. And that meant Debbie wouldn't always get the credit she deserved. It hurt the business, too. When applying
0: for loans to expand Mrs. Fields, banks always insisted that Randy be liable for the loans and that he be protected by Key Man Life Insurance. Essentially, the banks were saying that Randy's sudden death would kill the entirety of Mrs. Fields' original cookies
1: incorporated. Randy was an important part of the business, but no way would his death destroy Debbie's company. Nevertheless, she had to spend money insuring her husband to grow her company. But by the end
0: of the 80s, Debbie had an even bigger problem. A direct attack had launched on her main business principle of customer service. The attack took the form of a chain letter touting a fake cookie recipe
1: and an urban legend. According to the legend, a female customer called Mrs. Fields' customer service line and asked for their chocolate chip cookie recipe. She was told the recipe costs $2.50 and agreed to buy the recipe for $2.50. The customer was satisfied
0: until the end of the month. To her horror, Her credit card bill posted a charge for $250, not $2.50. When she called to get it sorted out, Mrs. Fields' representatives refused to reverse the charge. Angry, this customer shared this story with the world in a chain letter.
1: With the rise of email in the late 1980s, it went viral. To clarify, this never actually
0: happened. The Mrs. Fields cookie recipe was never for sale. And
1: as we've been discussing, customer service was the hallmark of the Mrs. Fields company. No way would any employee leave a customer angry. You can imagine how
0: hurt and upset Debbie was by this rumor. She was shocked that people believed it at first, but they did. People wrote in anonymously to newspapers and Mrs. Fields asking how she could treat someone so rudely. They accused Debbie of being a thief. It was a direct attack on her main
1: business principle of customer service. The company was reduced to putting disclaimer signs up in every store and writing in responses to newspapers covering the story. All of this hurt sales. Debbie called the urban legend, quote, in some ways, the most painful episode for me in the life of the company, end quote.
0: But in the face of this adversity, she maintained top-notch customer service and quality, refusing to back down. In
1: 1987, Debbie wrote, quote, It's sometimes said of women in business that they don't know how to compromise. Well, in my case, that didn't turn out to be a negative in any way at all, end quote.
0: And for the first 10 years of her business, that was true. Her dedication to customer service and quality throughout the company's rapid expansion was admirable. But as Mrs. Fields entered the 1990s, she was faced with a tough choice. Compromise or lose her entire business. In
1: 1992, Debbie Fields published Mrs. Fields' Cookie Book, 100 Recipes from the Kitchen of Debbie Fields, It was the first cookbook to become a New York Times bestseller. She was 36
0: years old and the picture of success, but internally, she was losing
1: control. The economic boom of the 1980s did not continue to the 1990s, and Mrs. Fields was in debt and losing money. The high cost of her cookies, now up from their original price of 25 cents each to $1 each, detracted customers, and the company's real estate investments in the form of store locations weren't appreciating as expected. In 1992, Mrs. Fields was forced to start franchising. To many business owners, franchising is a sign of success. The brand can stand on its own and they'll make more money for less work. But for Debbie Fields, this was terrifying. She always worried that franchisees would substitute product or sacrifice quality. Unfortunately, even the
0: risky decision to franchise wasn't enough to fix the company's debt problem. There were over 900 locations in 12 countries in 1993, and it was simply too much for Debbie's personal, involved management style to
1: handle. In 1993, Debbie had to cede Mrs. Fields' cookie shares to investors. She hated to do it, but she had no choice if she wanted to keep Mrs. Fields' cookies afloat. The company's stock was taken off of the
0: London market, and restructuring was implemented. The investors agreed to write
1: off $94 million worth of debt in return for 80% of the company.
0: Debbie now only held a minority share interest in Mrs. Fields, and lost her job as president and CEO.
1: She remained on the company's board of directors. Under new leadership, the company sold off La Petite Boulangerie, aggressively franchised, and added new products like yogurt and coffee. Three years later, in
0: 1996, Debbie sold the rest of her ownership in Mrs. Fields
1: for $100 million. The company changed, introducing a line of low-fat cookies, a far cry from Debbie's original mission of using real butter and chocolate. Mrs. Fields promoted the cookies as part of its new line of low-fat cookies, but the FTC says they contain 5.5 grams of fat. The government says cookies must contain no more than 3 grams to be considered low-fat. The FTC says the company's apple cobbler cookies were low-fat, but the other two products in the line were not.
0: At least we can glean from this that the new owners weren't straying too far from Mrs. Fields' buttery original recipe.
1: Yes, but under new leadership, the Mrs. Fields experience would never be the same. Relentless expansion cost Debbie Fields her business. To see where she went wrong, we can look at a company with the same ethos to the one Debbie started out with, In-N-Out Burger. For 60 years, In-N-Out has stayed family-owned and true to their founders' intentions. Founded by Harry Snyder
0: in 1948, in N Out's policy is to, as Snyder said, quote, keep it real simple. Do one thing and do
1: it the best you can, end quote. Just as how Mrs. Field started out with just cookies, In N Out only offers burgers, fries, and milkshakes. They keep a commitment to freshness, refusing to allow freezers or microwaves in their restaurants. Every location must be within 300 miles of a distribution center to ensure fresh, quality ingredients in every burger.
0: In-N-Out refuses to franchise or go public, remaining in the family. Harry's granddaughter, Lindsay Snyder, is In-N-Out's current president, and she maintains, as Debbie Fields did, that franchising is a money grab
1: that sacrifices quality. In-N-Out today is in the same position Mrs. Fields was in the early 80s, but they have one policy that has allowed the family to keep control of the business. Unlike Mrs. Fields, In-N-Out refuses to take on debt. When they opened a new store, they had to be able
0: to afford to pay all startup costs, down to owning the land the store is built on. It limited their expansion, but it kept them focused on what matters. The policy has relaxed in recent years, but they still avoid taking on debt and insist on owning the land any new store is
1: built on. In fact, just like Mrs. Fields, the only reason Harry Snyder agreed to open more restaurants in the first place was to provide his employees with better opportunities for management positions within the company.
0: Following these business principles, it's likely that In-N-Out will remain in the Snyder family's control for decades to come. And because of that, their customer
1: experience won't be impacted. However, to say that Debbie Fields did poorly when she lost control of Mrs. Fields would be completely inaccurate. She was a resilient businesswoman, and just 39 years old when Mrs. Fields' original Cookies Incorporated was acquired by Capricorn Holdings. Besides taking her massive payout in 1996, Debbie stayed on in a management role, refocusing her life to motherhood and TV appearances, including hosting episodes of the Food Network's The Dessert Show and the series Great American Desserts on PBS. Great American Desserts
0: was paired with another cookbook.
1: What I wanted to do was put together a cookbook with really, truly wonderful American classics and really celebrate the... uh just American desserts, that's number one. Number two, they had to be true favorites, so I didn't have to educate anybody in terms of what an apple pie was. Number three, they had to be easy to make, and number four, they had to taste great and look wonderful. As you can hear, an enjoyable customer experience with recipes anyone could understand and treats they could enjoy remained at the forefront for Debbie. She may not have been running Mrs. Fields, but she was still a successful businesswoman that's true but she also wasn't even mrs fields anymore though her the dessert show appearances showcased baking as a way to say i love you debbie's love life went downhill at the same time as her business
0: for reasons not made public she divorced randy fields in 1997 after 20 years of marriage and five children soon after debbie married michael rose the former CEO of Holiday Corporation and chairman of Harris Entertainment, Inc. With her new husband, Debbie
1: moved from Park City to Memphis, Tennessee. In 2000, she officially left her role in management at Mrs. Fields, but remained a spokesperson for the brand. In 2014, she moved to Nashville, where the 61-year-old still lives today.
0: Now, Mrs. Field's Cookies operates over 300 locations around the world. The company is part of Famous Brands International, along with TCBY. The company is headquartered in picturesque Broomfield, Colorado, and maintains the, quote,
1: "...highest-aided
0: brand awareness in the industry," end quote.
1: Or in layman's terms, she's a household name. And what does that name mean? Well, when she was starting out, Debbie said she wanted Mrs. Fields, quote, to be known for having absolutely the best, highest quality products. I want Mrs. Fields to stand for happiness, end quote.
0: That's Debbie Fields' Rose's true legacy. She mixed up passion, perseverance, quality, customer service, and real butter, and baked it into happiness. If you're tired of boring podcast interviews, check out Smart People Podcast. It's not a parcast podcast, but you'll probably learn something entirely new. Topics have included everything from free diving to physics and have featured guests such as Brene Brown, Alexis Ohanian, and Simon Sinek. Subscribe to Smart People Podcast today on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and learn more at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Thanks for listening to Great Women of Business. If you want to listen to any previous episodes of Great Women of Business, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and Spotify, or on our website, spelled parcast.com, spelled P-A-R-C-A-S-T dot
1: If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. In the meantime, go break some glass ceilings. Great Women of Business is produced by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. Sound design by Ron Shapiro, with production assistance by Joel Stein and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Carly Madden. Great Women of Business is written by Maggie Admire and stars Molly Brandenburg and Vanessa Richardson. Don't forget to check out Halo Top, ice cream's biggest game-changer. Halo Top is packed
0: with 20 grams of protein per pint. Finally, you can stop avoiding ice cream
1: and enjoy Halo Top. Halo Top is available nationwide. Find your pint at halotop.com. Follow them on social media at Halotop Creamery, halotop.com. When you're a small
0: business, payroll and benefits are hard. You're not an expert in taxes and regulations. But Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Plus, to help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash women. That's gusto.com slash women.